Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I have worked with the African-American former farm worker community in Apopka for 25 years. I'm going to get emotional here, okay? That's okay. I know these people personally. They are like my family and my community. And I know them. I know their families. And I know how they've worked all their whole lives. I know how they've been discriminated against. And I know what they're facing. And I know what their kids are facing. So when you see this video that I'm going to send you, is justice worth it? That's not even a question. When it's personal, you have no choice. You just do it because it's real and it's personal. This is Climate Justice, y'all. A podcast dedicated to lifting up and centering the climate and environmental justice movement in the South. Despite the South being the most biodiverse and one of the largest economic engines in the world, we are underfunded and often barred from the decision-making table. Because of that, we decided to pull up a chair and amplify the stories of communities in the South that are hit the hardest by the climate crisis. We're using good old-fashioned storytelling to shine a spotlight on these Southern leaders from all walks of life, putting in their blood, their sweat, and their tears to transform this region. The usage of y'all in the title is on purpose. We are honoring our Southern heritage of creativity, resilience, and ingenuity. Climate justice, y'all. It's real, it's here, and it's about time we listen to stories like Jeannie Economis and the Farm Workers Association that she works with. Thank you, let's get started with the show. Yeah, but how are you? How's your day going? We can do a breather. Yeah, yes, yes, it's very, very good, very good. Lots of stuff happening on multiple different fronts. That's just the whole thing, just juggling so many things right now. Mm-hmm. That is the truth. What type of, well, actually, I don't want to like um, be too nosy, but I know that I do know that you do a lot um, of different kinds of work. And so it's hard to stay focused because it's just so many things. Um, mm-hmm. We had a win yesterday. Um, the, uh, the circuit court in D.C. ruled in our favor against a horrible pesticide called aldicarb. So um, it's a really super bad pesticide that like has been banned in a hundred countries and the Trump EPA um, at the behest of the citrus industry in Florida wanted approved aldicarb to be used. And, uh, and we worked with Center for Biological Diversity and we won, yay! Congratulations, that's great news. <laughs> yes, it is very great news, yes. So that's, that's awesome. what I have to do after this call is write a press release. So yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, we'll try not to keep you too much since you know you gotta spread the good. We gotta have good news, you know. Absolutely, we need good news. <laughs> yes, that is the truth. Yeah. Well, awesome. Um, send that press uh, release whenever you get it out to us so we can read about it. I will definitely. That'd be great. Yeah. We could probably share it with our network too. Okay, then. Well, I'll send you the biological Di- Center for Biological Diversity press release because that's already done. And then when I yes. get nine hours done for the Farm Worker Association, I'll send that to you. Great. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Well, okay. That kind of, you know, that leads into this. So, Jeannie, could you introduce yourself to our listeners slash 
tell us about yourself, like what got you started with this and what's made you like focus on environmental health with the Farm Workers Association? I mean, you just mentioned the work with pesticides and that's something I think a lot of people don't even think about. Right. So my name is Jeannie Economist. Um, I am the Pesticide Safety and Environmental Health Project Coordinator for the Farm Worker Association of Florida. I've been with the organization as a staff member for 20 years. Congrats! Another five years as a volunteer, so a total of 25 years. And before that, I worked for uh, the Florida Audubon Society. I worked for Kanapaha Botanical Gardens, Save the Manatee Club. I worked for um, different uh, environmental organizations. But at the same time, I was also working on American Indian rights issues. Um, the big one being the Navajo Hopi relocation at Big Mountain um, that unfortunately has dragged on for three decades and is now in in pretty much chaos, um, but I started out working on, you know, those kinds of issues. And I found working with environmental organizations a little frustrating um, because they were very white-led and were did not really understand social justice issues as intersecting with environmental issues. Um, and I really found my calling in working on American Indian rights issues because that was environmental racism or environmental justice, which to me is where it's at. Because environmental justice includes social justice, economic justice, environmental justice, justice, health justice, all the things intersect. And so I have been passionate about environmental justice for 40 years. Um, however, there really isn't a lot going on with indigenous tribes here in Florida, um, at, le at least in my area of Florida. Um, I did work on a, a lot of indigenous rights issues in the Southwest and Northeast, um, but then I found the Farm Worker Association of Florida and I volunteered with them and I hounded them until they hired me. I said, you need to hire me, I wanna work here and the rest is history. <laughs> Um, and um, it is an organization that I am so proud of. And it, to me, the Farm Worker Association brings it all together. It works on social justice, economic health, and environmental justice. And many of the farm workers that we work with come from indigenous communities in their home countries. So in a, an indirect way, we also work on indigenous rights as well. And we work on a broad array of issues um, which is why we're always so busy and overwhelmed most of the time. Um, but I would say that our main areas of work are immigrants' rights. We've been a, a leader in the immigrants' rights movement um, since the organization began in 1983. Um, also, we worked on uh, issues of racism, black and brown racism. Our organization is Haitian, Hispanic, and African-American. We also are one of, we also kind of distinguish ourselves as a farm worker organization because we really do a lot of work around health and safety. Um, that I, I kind, a lot of farm worker organizations do a lot around wages and working conditions, which we do as well, but we do a huge amount around um, health and safety, including research projects with academic institutions, um, training farm workers, training healthcare providers and then working on uh, state and national policy as well. 
but we also have a, an agroecology community gardens program and food sovereignty. Um, that's another area of work that we work on and that's all connected to climate change and climate justice. So, um, but in addition to all that, we help people with Medicaid and food stamp applications. Um, we help people during disasters. Every one of our five offices actually started in response to a natural disaster that affected farm workers. Oh, wow. So um, we do, and the thing that I, I really believe in about our organization is that we're very grassroots. We are bottom up, not top down. And one of the reasons that we're always so stressed out and overwhelmed is because while we're working on the big issues like climate change, climate justice, environmental justice, racism, um, you know, um, health and safety, pesticides, immigrants' rights. At the same time, we're dealing with people's real needs on a daily basis because we are in the communities. Actually, today I'm working from home, but right now at our office, we're preparing for a big food distribution. We've been doing them once a week where we give out food in our office in Apopka to about 300 families. So you can't ask farm workers to organize to fight for their rights if they're hungry. Yes. If they're afraid of the uh, ice being around the corner to detain or deport them. So you can't ask people to go to Tallahassee or Washington DC to fight for their rights if their family is hungry, if you know their house is falling apart, um, if they don't have work or if they're being harassed or intimidated at work. So we have to work on all those issues too. And so that's what I love about the work that we do at the Farm Worker Association. Wow. It was a long answer. <laughs> no, it was the perfect answer. Um, I could listen to that forever. I mean, y'all literally are doing everything. Not only are y'all doing thought leadership, you know, like trying to change policy, trying to kind of deal with the systemic issues. You're also kind of like, as you're on the ship paddling, plugging the holes, making sure you don't fall under, you know? Um, Exactly. That's a great analogy. Yeah, it's right. That was that was an amazing analogy. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, by the way, Jeannie, this is Marisha. She is our co-host. Hi. Yeah. How are you? Nice to meet you all. It's definitely nice to meet you too. Um, Marisha is calling in for a fam cool. because she's on the road at the moment. But <laughs> okay, great, great. Yeah. But yeah, um, as I was saying earlier, like y'all are doing, y'all y'all are dealing with all these issues, um, but you're also making sure that the farmers, like these far farm workers, who are like the backbone of our entire country, because like you said, you can't do anything if you're hungry, you know, and they're the ones <laughs> that are literally making sure that our country is fed, and there exactly. definitely needs to be more protection for y'all. There needs to be more. Just a lot of things in general, funding, all that. Um, so like, what are some of the labor issues that y'all are dealing with? Cause I mean, you, men you mentioned it briefly, but could you like expand more about it? Sure, let me um, start off by one little explanation first, because um, as I mentioned earlier, we did have a win yesterday around this pesticide called Eldicarb. And there have been some newspaper articles about the court's decision in our favor on this pesticide. However, the reporter that did the story did make one pretty glaring mistake. And that is they used the word farmers instead of farm workers. So I think it's really, really important because 
You know, I live this stuff every single day and forget that a lot of people don't understand the difference between farmers and farm workers. So farmers are the people that own the land, own the business, have the capital, have the power, and they're the, we, it's, instead of calling them farmers, we call them growers. Because oh. a lot of them are no longer farmers like you think of the traditional farmers. A lot of them are big corporations. Um, in Florida, we have everything from tiny, small farmers to um, to very large uh, growers that have, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands of acres. So we have to dispel the myth that we have the family farmer because unfortunately the family farmer is um, becoming a relic of the past, although we're fighting for small farmers too. Farm workers are what we call landless farmers because they are the low-income minority people that do the hard work on the farms. They don't have access to land in most cases. They don't have access to capital. They're doing the hard work that makes the money for the grower or the farmer. So the workers are the people that are harvesting our crops, planting our crops, the ones that are being exposed to pesticides, being exposed to heat, um, being exposed to insects in the field, being exposed to the dangerous equipment. Farm work is considered one of the top most dangerous occupations in the entire country. Good, great. And these are not the people that are making the money and not that a lot of small farmers are making money these days either because the margin, because of our supply chain, which we've heard so much about under this pandemic, because the supply chains have become the way they are. Even growers, small growers, aren't making a lot of money unless you're a commodity crop farmer, like soybeans and corn, the two big commodity crops, you're not making a whole lot of money. Let me say one more thing, and I'm a little off the subject here, but I think people would be really interested to know that, you know, we're always told that we should eat healthy. Eat your fruits and vegetables. Well, fruits and vegetables are called specialty crops. Do you believe that? I still, I first learned that 20 years ago, and I still can't believe that. They're called, the things that are most important for our health, yes, my, my feelings exactly. They call- they <laughs> She can call, see my face. <laughs> yes, broccoli and um, you know Brussels sprouts and lettuces and tomatoes. Those are specialty crops. Why? Because the main crops in the United States are the commodity crops, which are your corn, which is used for animal feed and ethanol. And very little is actually used for consumption. Your soybeans. Again, soybeans are in everything from, you know, uh, in your meat and all kinds of food products and non-food products. Um, so your commodity crops are the big crops in this country. And the, those big crops are the ones that are really steering um, the uh, agricultural industry. That and big uh, meat industries and big meat packing houses. But the, the things that are supposed to be healthiest for us are fruits and vegetables are called as commodity crops. And the commodity, I mean, I'm sorry, are the specialty crops. And the specialty crops are the ones that are most labor intensive for farm workers. Mm. Because most of them cannot oh, wow. be recognized and they have to be harvested by hand. Your tomatoes and strawberries are harvested by hand. Your oranges, and broccoli and cauliflower and celery are hand harvested. Melons are hand harvested, but they are called specialty crops. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, I was gonna say that makes it sound like I'm, I'm making sure I'm getting this correct because this is all brand spanking new to me. You're saying that it's almost seen as kind of like not a priority at that point. That's what like, it sounds like, doesn't it? That's what it sounds like. It sounds exactly. like it's not a priority. Exactly. That just shows you the power of the big commodity crop growers and the, the effect that those industries, uh, cotton is another one, those big industries, mostly soy and corn, but also cotton are big commodity crops. And they have a huge amount of political and financial power. Um, exactly. Yes. It's very, wow. very disturbing. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Okay, well, I'm going to think about that for probably the rest of my life. Um, do you have any, like, documentaries or anything that <laughs> that we can, like, watch or something that we can share about that? I don't have anything specifically on that. There is a really good um, PowerPoint presentation about climate change and the meat industry that um, someone else did. Um, I can send that over to you if you want. It's very, very good. That would make my nerdy heart really happy. Thank you, sure. Jenny. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but going back to your original question, and I'm sorry I talked. <laughs> no, don't apologize. But don't ever apologize. I have a lot to say that I feel like people need to hear. So um, your question is about um, labor conditions for farm workers. Um, that'll take about two hours, so I hope you have time. Um, <laughs> try and do it briefly. So in addition to all the other challenges that farm workers face, which are many, which I'll try and lay out as briefly as possible. But to get to the labor conditions, I mentioned that broccoli, cauliflower, celery, melons are all hand harvested. Farm workers are not paid by the hour. In the vast majority of cases, they're paid by the piece. So they are paid according what? to how much they harvest. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so if you're harvesting melon, you're not paid by, oh, I worked eight hours harvesting cantaloupe. So I'm gonna get paid so much an hour for eight hours of harvesting cantaloupe. But no, farm workers get paid by how much they harvest. So you are incentivized as a worker to work really fast and work really hard, not take breaks, not stop and take water breaks, not go to the bathroom, not stop for lunch because you want to produce as much as possible so that you can make as much money as you can. So what does that mean? That means that sometimes you will end up dehydrated at the end of the day because you didn't stop to take a break. It means sometimes you will wear diapers to work. Um, women have told us that they will not drink water because they don't want to have to go to the bathroom because if they go to the bathroom, the supervisor yells at them. Oh my God. And that means also that if you're feeling bad one day, you can hold up the whole crew and the crew will get mad at you because you're slowing the whole crew down. That means that if you're elderly and you still have to work and elderly for farm workers could be 45 years old. Jeez. Um, and you know, you're not as fast as the young guys the employer might not want you anymore because you're slower. And even though at the end of the day, you might produce as much, or even if you don't produce as much, you still need a job. If, you know, in most office um, work, 
the older you get, you have experience and they you get you a raise because of your experience and your knowledge, not if you're a farm worker. If you slow up, um, then they might not hire you back the next year. And then what do you do? Where do you go for work? If you're undocumented, and even if you are documented that you have a low literacy rate um, because you are black or Haitian or Hispanic, um, if you don't know anything else besides farm work, you've done it your whole life and your family has done it, you don't have education, um, formal education, you might be really, really smart, but you don't have formal education, where do you go for a job? So that's one of the major problems with farm work, one, one of many major problems with farm work, but that is one major problem. In fact, we are part of a study, a scientific study, looking at how peace work, uh, peace rate um, wages affects production. So we've doing a lot around heat stress and climate change um, because it's hot. I live in Florida. It is really hot. I have the air conditioning running like crazy today. I'm lucky to be inside. But imagine working in outside in the sun, in the heat in Florida. It's brutal. So we have been doing um, heat stress uh, research work for about 10 years with Emory University. And now we're part of another pilot project looking at how um, working with one grower, saying that, it, let us try this, that if workers get shade and water breaks, um, if in the end they aren't really more productive. You know, if you're working on piecework and how much you produce, if you're not getting breaks, you might get tired faster. But if the, the project is to look and see that if you do get adequate breaks, adequate rest and adequate water, if in the end you aren't even equally as productive or even more productive. So I'm hoping the results of that could be significant. But that's just one aspect of labor conditions for farm workers. And I could go on, but I'll, I'll stop there for a minute. So how do we bring limelight to this? Like Abigail stated, we don't know, we haven't heard much of this and we didn't even know it was this bad. How do you bring light to this situation? Uh, sister, I wish I knew because we've been trying for uh, 30 years to do this and we have to keep doing education. We do education all the time. Um, we work with other organizations. The last week in March is Farm Worker Awareness Week nationally. We work with student action with farm workers and other organizations around the country to raise awareness about farm worker issues. It's always the last week in March around Cesar Chavez's birthday. People can go to student action with farm workers or to the Farm Worker Association of Florida to um, sign up to participate in that and to do actions on their campus, in their church, in their school and other places. Um, we're happy to do webinars and educational um, trainings on farm worker issues, but it's a real challenge because, um, you know, it's one thing about the pandemic is the pandemic has exposed things that we've been talking about for 34 years. Yep, yep. All of a sudden now they're saying, oh, you know what? Farm workers are essential workers. Well, <laughs> duh. Farm workers have been essential workers for 100 years, for 150 years. Another thing we've been saying for 30, 40 years is that farm workers are living the legacy of slavery. That's what I was and, thinking. I didn't want right, to say it, but right. that's what I was thinking. Absolutely. Um, 
And those yeah. aren't just words. That is so real. And for the first time since the pandemic and since the George Floyd racial uprising, racial crisis, finally, finally people are making the connection that slavery isn't something in the history, in the past. It has its dirty little fingers right now in the present. Yeah, and I mean, they're working in dehumanizing conditions, um, being seen as cogs in the machine and treated as such. Um, and it's awful. It's, I, 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 I'm normally more eloquent, I think, um, but I, I'm in shock. Well, one other thing to demonstrate the legacy of slavery of farm workers is um, slavery ended in 1865. Um, the freed slaves were only kind of freed because then they became indentured servants and sharecroppers. Mm -hmm. um, and as we know, Reconstruction just led to Jim Crow laws in the New Deal in the 1930s, um, some labor laws were finally enacted. That's, you know, one of the heights of the labor movement and trying to get changes. And that's when the National Labor Relations Act was passed and the Fair Labor Standards was passed. Farm workers and domestic workers were deliberately excluded from both of those labor laws. And if you don't think the legacy of slavery is a real reality. Farm workers and domestic workers were the two jobs that African American and slave African Americans did on the plantations during slavery. They were the domestic workers in the plantation owners' homes, and they were the workers in the fields. So those labor laws were a demonstration of the South's influence on national policy as a way of continuing a kind of slavery through our labor laws that excluded farm workers and domestic workers. And if I'm not mistaken, Janie, um, the majority of like farm workers are in the South, right? Like I would assume so. Well, there's um, actually there's farm workers all over the, the, the Four big states are California, Texas, Florida, and North Carolina. There's a okay. lot of farm workers also in Washington State and New Jersey, even Minnesota. Um, but it's not it's not just in the South, but mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of farm workers in in the Southeast. That's what I was wondering because I, you know, with the like the weather and stuff we have, and climate change is just going to affect those as well like the workers it's going to affect the crops it's going to affect everything um i could listen to this entire talk for hours and hours on end and i keep saying that for previous episodes but i, I genuinely mean it <laughs> like this is fascinating and heartbreaking and everything um but i have to ask what is something that gives you hope and keeps you fighting for these issues what's something that keeps you going well, two things keep me going. One is um, right now, I feel hope because um, the Biden administration might be doing some things wrong, um, but there is a, a, a new interest finally after 37 years in environmental racism or environmental justice. 
and the Biden administration has created the White House Environmental Justice Advisory Council. And um, I've seen the list of people that are on the council and Biden better watch out because there are some dynamite <laughs> activists on that council. Some of the strongest people in the environmental justice movement are on that council. So they're gonna hold his feet to the fire. They are dynamite. So that gives me hope. Um, I feel like there is a new awareness around the country around environmental justice. And I really take hope from a lot of the youth and a lot of the young people because um, they recognize that um, we are in perilous times in terms of the climate. And um, I think some of um, my generation, unfortunately, has failed the next generation. And I hope that there's enough of my generation that will be working on this because um, we're leaving a bad legacy. Um, but I get hope from this next generation, your generation, um, that's doing dynamite work around climate change and climate justice. Um, but the other thing that gives me, that motivates me is, and I'm going to send you a link to one of my all-time favorite short videos called, Is Justice Worth It? Please do. When Can you, you tell us more about it? Well, what keeps me motivated is it's personal. I have worked with the African-American former farm worker community in Apopka for 25 years. I'm going to get emotional here, okay? That's okay. I know these people personally. They are like my family and my community. And I know them, I know their families, and I know how they've worked all their whole lives. I know how they've been discriminated against, and I know what they're facing, and I know what their kids are facing. So when you see this video that I'm gonna send you, is justice worth it? That's not even a question. When it's personal, you have no choice. You just do it because it's real and it's personal. I'm doing this for Geraldine, Betty DeBose, Betty Woods, Linda Lee, Magdalene, Eloise Barnes. They are uh, Irma Peterson, um, Johnny Mae Hughley, Johnny Mae Byers, all of them. They are my heroes. They are the ones that worked in the fields and harvested the food. Geraldine used to say, we fed America all our lives. Mm. And what has America given them? Mm. A lot of farm workers um, did not, their pay, They, even though they paid into Social Security because of the system, a lot of times the crew leader would not pay Social Security. So it never got recorded so that when they do, did finally reach retirement age um, or try to get on disability, their social security was very low because a lot of that was not turned into social security. So then they're living on poverty wages even when they're older, even though they've worked all their lives. So mm. I am here on their behalf since they can't be here themselves. I'm here for them. Thank you. Um, Sure, you can support them by, um, I mean, you can stay up to date with what we're doing on our Facebook page. Uh, we have a blog about our Lake Apopka mural project and our um, uh, quilt project. Um, you can check out our website. Um, we have various different campaigns um, that we're working on, um, on pesticides, around immigration reform. Um, and, you know, you can sign up for our newsletter that comes out we just our newsletter just came out um this week or was it last i think the end of last week um so those are different things that you can definitely do 
We have a campaign right now on the University of Florida campus to get Aramark out of the food system there and to source food locally and to get justice into the food system on University of Florida campus. Um, so there's lots of different campaigns that we're working on. Um, and also we're doing a lot around climate justice. Um, we don't have a particular campaign right now, but we are part of um, several different alliances that are doing climate justice work. And one thing that I didn't talk about um, earlier is that one of the reasons that climate justice is so important to us is, well, first of all, environmental justice is climate justice, is economic justice, is social justice. We can't separate them. But also because we work with farm workers, we think it's important that people recognize that as a single industry, the food industry is the single biggest contributor to climate change. Mm. Now, people will try and refute that, but if you look at the overall food industry, from CAFOs, confined animal feeding operations, to um, travel miles, shipping you know, strawberries from California to China, for example, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, and all kinds of other things, the food industry as a whole, food waste, et cetera, is the single biggest driver of climate change. Um, and it's also, the single biggest possibility for mitigation and solution to climate change. Because one of the reasons that we're so passionate about pesticides and fertilizers is that it's chemical fertilizers and pesticides that are depleting the quality of our soil. If we have higher quality soil and rotation of crops and different kinds of agriculture, our fields will be sequestering carbon more. And if we weren't deforesting areas for ranching and farming, we would have more areas that sequestering carbon. So agriculture is integrally connected to the climate change problem and climate justice because the farm workers are on the front lines of being exposed to all those effects of climate change as well. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.